You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So I'm going to get straight to it, Shannon, and give you a comment from iTunes. Dive on in. That says they don't beat around the bush. Because <laughs> they'd rather be in it. Yeah, I didn't go there. Honestly, we're all adults, <laughs> and it's annoying to listen to marriage or sex podcasts that tiptoe around sex topics and use childlike euphemisms. So I appreciate them talking to their audience like they're educated adults. Because you know what? Our audience is smart. Very. Yes, they are. I mean, they're <laughs> if you're if you're handling a marriage, you got some intelligence. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. Absolutely. It, it takes it takes some matter between the ears yes, to it, it, have a successful it, relationship. Yep, and it takes some matter between the ears to have some fantastic sex. There you go. Because the brain is the largest sex organ. There you go. So hey, if you want to give us your feedback and your thoughts about what we got going on here. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com. You can also jump on iTunes. Give us any kind of review. If you like what you hear, give us five stars because that helps us spread the word. You can also leave comments because I know, I mean, in the world of Yelp and Google reviews and Travel Advisor and all those different things that are out there, we live in a world where we take words from other people as help in making our decisions. So if you like Sexy Marriage Radio, please Help other people make the decision to join us as well, because married sex is where it's really going on, and that's what we want to talk about. Indeed. I got something I'm burning to talk about today. Go. I just thought that we should do like a public service announcement for all those couples out there that are thinking that going to see the movie Fifty Shades of Grey would actually heat things up for their marriage. Yeah, they might want to save their money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And a real quick caveat to that, though. I was yeah. I was having lunch uh, with our best friends Sunday, and uh -huh. this was on the weekend that uh, – Valentine's weekend. So it was the weekend sex, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey opened. Mm -hmm. And he said, what does it say about our society when a week ago the number one movie was SpongeBob, <laughs> and now the number one movie is going to be Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like, ooh, that's that an interesting statement. That's an interesting look <laughs> through the lens at society. Yeah. Uh, well, the weekend that it came out, I knew that I would need to go see it. But let me just make a disclaimer here. Haters, don't hate. All right, don't judge me. This is an occupational hazard. I can't write a book <laughs> like The Fantasy Fallacy and not have read the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. And I can't keep continuing to be a proponent of healthy sexuality if I don't know what so many of my clients will be watching. So for me, it was a field trip. Okay. I wanted to carry a sign that said, I'm here on business. Don't judge me. Did you write it off <laughs> <laughs> I should have I totally could have put that on my business credit card yep. but I did ask my husband are you willing to go with me and he said well I wasn't interested in reading the books but I will go with you to the movie okay so here in our small town of Tyler Texas population of a hundred thousand at best I didn't want to go to the movie theater where most of our friends would gather to see another movie because surely none of our friends would go see that movie right but I just thought, you know, Greg is six seven. He stands out like a sore thumb above a crowd. And so 
we decided that we would go to the theater on the other side of town where no one would know us. And I I could totally envision all of the African-Americans and Hispanics going, man, did you see that big old tall white guy? He must have played for the Dallas Mavericks in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) Like that comment. But so, yeah, we we went kind of incognito. I actually wore my ball cap, my sunglasses. Uh, I, and I snuck into the theater and, uh, I was expecting it to be packed, but it was a Saturday afternoon and hardly anybody was in there. So I thought, okay, well, Greg and I can sit over here on the back row and nobody's around. Nobody can see us. So if there's a scene that's particularly steamy, maybe I'll just spice up his Valentine's day and grab his hand and put it somewhere interesting. Yeah. Well, that scene never came. Okay. It, it, it did not at any place make me want to get closer to Greg. As a matter of fact, I even paid attention to my own body language. And there were several times that I was leaning away from him with my hand on my stomach because it just, it was quite frankly, cheesy and nauseating in multiple places. Okay. So the one thing that I did say to Greg though, is that one where during one of the intense spanking scenes, I looked at him and said, if you ever, spank me like that you will be picking your head up off the floor he said duly noted <laughs> so that was about as deep as it took our sex life is okay we have a new boundary but he's never spanked me anyway so i i, I can't say that it was worth the 15 dollars um but what did astound me is that um at the opening it said that there's now been a hundred million books sold in the series right did you know that Max Lucado, my favorite Christian author, he has sold a hundred million books in his lifetime of yeah. work. And yeah. here is this author who comes up with this one fantasy yep. and can sell a hundred million books. Again, what does that say about our society? Yep. And that the movie trailer alone has gotten 250 million hits. Yep. So we're obviously fascinated with this BDSM thing, but I'm going to dub this movie Fifty Shades of Degrade instead of Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Because I did. I just found it very, very degrading uh, in, on a wide variety of, of levels. Uh, and, and let me just say, too, that um, we've never done this before, but Greg had asked me, can we go see two movies back-to-back because we've never done that and because he had been dying to see American Sniper. Guess what? <laughs> American Sniper did more for us than Fifty Shades right. of Grey because I actually... I threaded my arm through his elbow, you know, like yep. clinging to him. We were on the edge of our seats the whole time. Adrenaline rush, adrenaline rush. We were in tears several times. We sat there at the end of the movie just in stunned silence. Yep. And I was like, we got to go home. We got to talk about this. We, we, we got just, I just want you to hold me. Yeah. I just wanted him to hold me. So if you really want to spice up your love life, you might want to think more in terms of American Sniper than 56. <laughs> But there are two groups of people on this major outcry right. as a result of this movie. One is Christians. Again, I couldn't even feel comfortable going to a movie theater in my hometown because I knew that if a Christian brother or sister saw me doing that, they would judge. Right. Because I have actually seen Facebook posts and actually heard someone say in an interview, and it made me cringe, that if you read these books, if you see these movies, you are outside of the will of God. Right. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. I'm not saying that what's happening in the books and movies isn't outside of the will of God, but doesn't that describe about 80 to 90% of the movies and books out there anyway? True. 
but I just want to make sure that Christians are in full understanding that our salvation is not based on what movies we see or what books we read. I'm so glad that God is much bigger than that. And if you're basing your salvation on anything other than the blood Jesus shed for you, you're basing it on the wrong thing. Right. So, and my guess is, is these Christians who are like, Joe, go see it. If you go see it, how can you call yourself a Christian? Those are probably the same Christians who have looked at porn in their lifetimes. So let's just stop judging each other because I think that there's probably a lot more Christians like me out there, maybe a women's ministry leader who's like, I just want to know what all these women in my church are being so fascinated about so that they can speak knowledgeably in right. response, et cetera, et cetera. So the well, Christians I, I find it, I, I find it interesting though, Shannon, because we have, you know, I think I think you and I have become a trusted source for a lot of people. And I think the reason is because we're willing to expose ourselves to things that other people are so fascinated I, by. I agree for but, the purpose of guidance. But because some of the some of the feedback we we got from that show that we did on the whole Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, our thoughts on it was, well, you didn't ever really say yes or no. Yeah. You know, you never said should we or shouldn't we, and it's like, well, right. I mean, I, I, but how could we say that until exactly. we, one of us saw the movie? Well, but even even so, I'm still coming at it from my my training. Is that that's what becomes paramount to me is I am not in any position of authority over anybody but myself. Yes. And so, what choice have you right. made? So it's it's a question of is that something I'm good with or not? That's all I can do. Right. So. And go ahead, Corey. Talk talk to the listeners about what decision you have made because I totally respect it. Um. Oh yeah. I've I have uh, never even picked up the book and I will not see the movie. So it, it just good be, for you. Just because it's not of interest, it's one of those. Partly because of my struggle with porn, mm -hmm. I don't need to venture into that world because I have made the commitment to myself and then in turn to my wife that. This is something that does not draw me towards her. Right. You know, so, you know, porn does not, has nothing to do with her. It's nothing that says, you know, the couples that are out there experimenting with such whatever. That's what people choose to do. For me, it does not work. So I don't do there. I don't I don't go there. And so I, I, I stay away from it. I love that you know yourself enough to know, would this be a good thing or would this not yeah. be a good thing? And I hope that everybody can make that educated choice about what's right for them and don't judge other people for making a different choice. Right. So the other group of people that are up in arms over this movie, can you guess? Uh, well, I know, so I'll let you go ahead and spill it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we actually have heard from a lot of our listeners, and some of which are Christians, that they are into the BDSM mm -hmm. lifestyle. And when you look at the at the whole movie, I actually had asked myself, "Do you have a problem with the activities if it is to consenting, you know, consenting adults if they were married to each other?" Right. And and I had to say that other than the fact that I don't want to see it, I don't want to watch it, uh, that no, if they had been married to each other and they wanted to try these things and experiment and explore and have fun, I can't say that there's anything that I would say, oh, no, don't ever, 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 ever do that. But I do think that there needs to be a lot of guidelines. So, yeah, the big problem that I had with the whole storyline altogether from the get-go is that it's a 20-something-year-old billionaire pursuing this 21 year old barely out of college naive virgin and that they have sex in the first week right i have a problem with that I right. have, and they have this type of sex in the first week i have a major problem with that but if a husband and wife want to try this 
And uh, hardware retailers knew that some would after seeing the movie because uh, I actually read a report that they had increased their supplies of ropes and chains, cable ties, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought it would probably be wise for us to offer our listeners a just a few tidbits of advice out of just common sense, not because you or I know anything firsthand about this, uh, you know, about this lifestyle. I'm not saying that I've never asked Greg to tie me up or asked if I could tie him up, but you know, this is not something that I've been into necessarily, but I can imagine that common sense would tell you that there's a few rules to this type of play that need to be respected. Sure. So, Let's just unpack those. And I don't have a, a, a set list that I'm going by here. Let's just talk about it from a common sense perspective. Well, I, I want to do first a, a more um, motivation perspective. Okay. On what's the motivation to incorporate this into your, into your relationship. Okay. And, and really, that's just a question I ask. I'm asking the, list, I'm asking the listener that where is this coming from? Because, you know, from what I've gleaned from you about the book and about the story and, and about the movie – that the drive of Mr. Whoever, uh, I can't even think of his name, Christian, Gray. whatever, Christian, Christian Gray, Gray. That, that his drive was, it's not coming from a place of fullness, let's say. So, no. so, it's coming from a place of extreme brokenness. Right. And so that's, I, I think, as, as general, healthy, seeking human beings, we have to ask ourselves on everything we do, where is that drive coming from? And is it coming out of a fullness or is it coming out of an emptiness? I like that. I, I, I love that you started with that foundation. Well, I think that's Bravo. where you have to start, isn't it? Because Bravo. all of that is the lens through which we do everything. Right. And I think that that naturally leads us to the next question is, am I doing this for my spouse or am I you know, wanting this for me. And I'm not saying that you can't ask for what you want oh, absolutely or what not. you yeah. like you need. You can, but just make sure that you know that your spouse has the right yep. to say no. Yep. Because if they don't feel comfortable, you can't just say, but I need this. I want this. You have to do this for me. You've just abused the trust in the relationship. And without trust, I'm sorry, you're not going to have passion. Right. I mean, you're on, not going to have real intimacy. On the one hand, when you're talking about the BDSM society or the or that little genre of of people that are willing to explore that, I applaud them because they, in a sense, they put some of the covert stuff out there much more overtly that happens <laughs> within us. Because if you think about it, Shannon, every marriage has power plays. Yes, there's <laughs> only on steroids. Every sexual encounter has power plays. That's what mm -hmm. that's what drives a lot of it is power. It could just be I, you know, lots of men I know, I'll speak for husbands, enjoy and drive a lot of pleasure from the fact that they can ha they have power to bring their wife pleasure. Mhm. Mm so that's still power. Or it brings them pleasure to be overpowered because sure. they just want to relax and sure. enjoy and not worry about what do I need to do next. Right. They so that's that yeah, needs. that's an exploring of all the different sides of us. Mm -hmm. In real and time. And you're right. There has to be a lot of trust for that exchange to take place sure. and it be a positive thing. Yep. So yeah, we're not throwing a stone at the activity itself. Uh, as long as this is between a married couple in the privacy of their marriage bed. And I would also add that it does not involve another person. 
Right. And that it does not, I, I would just say that I don't think that it should involve porn because yeah. I do think that that involves another person. Yeah. But if you incorporate inanimate objects into your lovemaking, such as ropes or, you know, uh, you know, I mean, the list could go on and on of, po <laughs> you know, possibilities, but, uh, I, I don't think that incorporating an inanimate object is um, necessarily a bad thing as long as you're both in agreement. I mean, we've right. actually been in support of a vibrator if a couple feels like they need one or just want one. So it's right. really no different. So these are just yeah. props. Yeah. They're just props. Uh, well, and, and it's, are they things that draw you to each other or are they things that separate you? Right. Right. And so let's start with the notion of being tied up because that's obviously the, you know, I think that's the, the gateway drug to the BDSM <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> okay. But I would imagine that there are lots of couples who have tried that just out of fascination of how does that feel to lie there powerless and just be the recipient mm -hmm. of whatever my spouse wants to do to bring me pleasure. Mm-hmm. Or the reverse is what, how will it make me feel to have total control over my spouse who has let me tie them up? Right. Um, so I would say that there definitely need this in all things. There needs to be a code word. There needs to be a code word that says, okay, game over. Uh, enough of this fantasy. I need to be untied. Maybe you feel comfortable maybe, or maybe you feel uncomfortable. Maybe you feel triggered. Maybe you feel threatened. Maybe you can't breathe. You know, whatever the case may be, there needs to be a code word that says to your partner, stop. Right. So um, you, you need to talk about that before anything even gets started of, of what um, password can we use to slow things down uh, and exercise caution? And what code word do we need to use to just stop altogether? Right. Step out of the role play entirely. Right. Um, so next place might be the infliction of pain. I'm not a fan, but I realize there are people who are. Right. Um, I remember one of the most, um, intriguing movies I ever saw when I was working on my master's in counseling was a dangerous method. Did you ever see that movie? I have not. No. Okay. Well, it was, uh, Jude Law playing the role of Carl Jung and one of his patients, uh, came to him with an extreme mental disorder and she had been um, confused and bewildered by her own fantasy of being spanked and it was a turn on to her and she actually convinced him to do this as a form of therapy on her thus the title a dangerous method okay but where it came from was that as a child uh, she didn't get a lot of her father's attention but she did get his attention when she misbehaved and he would often remove her clothing to spank her. Okay. And she found it somewhat arousing to have daddy's attention that way. And sure. that carried over into her adult fantasies. Sure. So some people may have some sort of childhood root that they actually think that that would be appealing. I would think that some sort of spanking would need to start out incredibly light, even playful, maybe with, you know, a pillow or something like that. And just oh so gradually increase that intensity with the rule that there would never be a mark left it, i don't think that it should raise welts I, I think that that's where it crosses the line into abuse okay what are your thoughts on that well uh, i mean a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about we're going to it seems like we would set the stage and then how it is actually defined and how far it goes is completely up to the people involved yeah so it it, it comes down to 
if it gets to a point where you feel like you've crossed the line and you do not speak up, then in essence, you're kind of what you're, you're removing some of the ability to place blame (laughs) on exactly, you know, it's this whole, hold on a sec. I have full right to say what I need and what I want and what's too much. Yes. So you got to act in accordance with that. But it's up. Yeah, you're right. It's up to you to say, okay, I've reached that limit. I've reached that pain threshold. Right. And what's interesting is, Shannon, there could be a lot of people that if you just talk about the generality of their sex life, they haven't even still reached that point. Right. Of speaking up for what they want. Right. Yeah. They haven't found the courage to have a backbone and to say what's on their mind. Right. But you can expect that if you're going to push the envelope to the outer edge there is going to be a moment where you probably will get tipped over that edge. And you're right. You can't get mad at your spouse. If you were asking them to dangle you over that edge, just to see how it feels. Right. So you kind of have to take anger out of the equation, uh, but definitely speak up and say, okay, you know, now we know where the limit is. This felt good two minutes ago, but right now this doesn't feel good anymore. Yeah. And I would think that the partner who's inflicting this really needs to make mental note of what they did two minutes ago and the intensity of that and what they just did and make sure that they never repeat that. Right. Um, this, this is not a let's increase your threshold for pain type of experience. It's, no. This is just let's find out where your threshold is. Right, because it's, it's that idea of how uh, – uh, let me reframe it this way, I guess, of, of how close – how much of my presence can I bring to the act without having to rule you completely? In that, I mean, when you say that it still fits, then yeah. you're in essence, every sexual experience, what we're wanting is a presence from our partner and we bring our presence to them. And so this is just taking it to a deeper level that yeah. is almost a little more overt at times too. Cause some of the ways in this act of, domination submission that kind of stuff you're really playing out what's going on at a deeper level within you absolutely absolutely it reminds me of this um i want to say it was the history channel but i i can't imagine why they were doing this show on the history channel but we'll just go with that but it was actually talking about this woman who she was like a prostitute but yet she she didn't have any type of sex with her clients what she was was a dominatrix and she said there are many men in such powerful positions, CEOs of you know billion-dollar companies and stuff, that they actually feel bad that they have so much power right. over their employees right. and that their fantasy is to be made powerless. And they come to her and ask her to humiliate them. Yep. And that is what she does. She dominates them, but there's, she said there's no exchange of body fluids whatsoever. There's not even intimate kissing. It's simply a fantasy of, okay – now you get to be powerless and it just creates a balance in their minds. that makes them feel better about the power that they hold in real life. Yep. So you know, very interesting. Yes, phenomenon. it is. Yes, yeah, it is. It's, it's a very deep psychological thing. So here's, uh, here's my last tidbit. And then you might have some things that you want to add to this discussion uh, even further. But I would think that, that we're dealing with a three, uh, three different realms of activities. One realm being, we should know that this is always okay for us to do. We don't even have to ask each other's permission. And okay. another realm where, okay, these types of activities, we might just want to inquire and make sure that that's okay with you in this moment. Because what might appeal to you one day might not 
on another day. And, and everybody should have the opportunity to say what you're in the mood for. True. And then the third realm is it is never okay under any circumstances for you to do that. Right. Uh, and you can just fill in those blanks. Right, whatever it is for you. Yeah, and especially like if you have me tied up, you cannot do this, this, or this because I will not find that pleasurable under any circumstances. Right. It just needs to be wide open lines of communication in yep. order for trust to be maintained. Right. Do you have any? Do you have any ideas that you want to toss out? Well, yeah. Expanding on that is that's just kind of the whole idea of navigating this whole process with your partner with their with their, with their presence while they're there. You know, because some of this, you know, think about. Think about how we decide what we want to do with our life. Lots of times we do it before we're with the people we want to do it with. You know, it's like this idea of you get excited about thinking about getting home with your spouse. But then when you get there, you clam up. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't speak up. You don't, you don't do something. And then you get mad because they don't respond. Or mm. So it's this idea of how can I be more in, in line with me and then with my spouse and take it to deeper levels? Because, I don't know, as you've been talking, I've been thinking about there's several different dimensions of, of our sexual experience that we can have. And, you know, the one that most people do that the level, the, the level of depth or experience they get to is just kind of a sexual trance, which is where you're just focusing on the physical sensations that mm -hmm. are going on with you just on, mm -hmm. on the, the way things feel. That's, that's, that's all it is. Then the next one is a little bit more of a, a deeper connection and it's, a, and it's a partner engagement, which is the idea of you're focusing on the romantic connection with your partner. And, and there's still that sexual trance, but you're at a, you're at a little bit of a deeper level because right. now you're also connecting with the essence of another person, not just the physical nature of that other person. Right. You're fully present. Your, your brain right. is not somewhere else. Right. And then, mm -hmm. the, and then the deepest one is kind of, I mean, the way it's easiest way to think about it is just kind of a role play where you almost lose yourself in the experience, but you still remain yourself mm -hmm. and you can explore fantasies and scripts and roles. And that's where this kind of stuff plays in. And I know that there are a lot of Christians out there who hear us talk about these things and they're cringing, thinking that can't possibly be holy. How do you respond to that concern? Well, who, who gets to define it? <laughs> I mean, That's a really great, yeah. <laughs> it may not be holy for them right. in their minds. If it's against your personal conscience, then... Right. Don't go there. Or if it's against your spouse's personal conscience, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, number one rule in the marriage bed. Yeah. But if, yeah, if you think that it would actually draw you closer to your spouse and closer to God as a result by taking this little walk on the wild side in a really safe, contained environment, I think that's what marriage is designed for. Right. If there's any place where it is safe, Marriage is the only place that it's safe. Yeah, but it's also the scariest because you actually are revealing yourself. And you have to wake up <laughs> as next you, to that as you explore. <laughs> yeah, as you explore through all of that, it's like, oh wow, I'm really uncovering a lot of me here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I like that. And so it's to me that's a definition of self. That's what that that's personal development boot camp. That's, yeah, that's, un but that's unfolding. But also how cool to discover new things about yourself and new things about your spouse that not even they knew about themselves. Right. right. Yeah. And, and we're not prescribing this. We are not no. prescribing BDSM. We are merely describing what we think would be a respectful way to, uh, to you know, experiment with it because we're not naive enough to think 
that this phenomenon isn't going to pique enough people's curiosity that right. many will try it. We just right. want to make sure that your marriage bed is protected and that your relationship uh, you know, comes out on top as a result of this experimentation. Yeah, and this goes back to how we first started this whole conversation of is what we do coming out of fullness or is it coming out of emptiness? Because there's some, there's nothing wrong with some of the things that we do that are coming out of emptiness, as provided it's not just completely driven by that. I mean, think about it. We work because we need money yeah. to, to pay for things. So some of that's kind of an emptiness component. Right. <laughs> that uh, my yeah. bank account is empty, so I better work. <laughs> so. But remember, there's emptiness in both husbands and wives yep. at times. So yep. mutual emptiness and mutual filling each other up. It can be a beautiful thing. It can, and and it's, as long as you're above board with that, and you're open about it, and you and you talk about it, and you say, "Hey, I want to try this," then go for it. And yeah. if your and if your spouse says, "Nope, I'm not on board," okay, well then you better handle yourself better. Don't lose it, and then see what you need to do next. Yeah, they're not rejecting you. Right. They're just rejecting the activity. Yep. That's all. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. I got to say thank you again for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope that it draws you closer to the people you love. Mm -hmm. We'll we see. love you for listening. Yeah, we'll see you next time.